Yes, 2 Timothy, and we're going to be looking at some of the traits of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And today we're going to be studying a, a controversial doctrine. It's the doctrine of election. And I don't even know what the doctrine of election is. It's not, it doesn't have to do with, you know, Republican or, <laughs> or those other guys. And, but it's... Uh, you know, the, the doctrine of election is, is something here. That what we want to know is that really the followers of Christ are the ones who are elected. And we're going to study right now what the, it means to be elected. But the number one thing is, is that, here, write this down in your notes, that the key steps towards Christian maturity is, number one, a follower of Jesus endures for the Lord's work. A follower of Jesus endures for the Lord's work. And this is really key because this is what Timothy is talking about here in the second chapter of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 10. Read it with me. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So what Paul is saying is that for the elect, I will do anything. I will go to prison. Paul was whipped five times by the Jews, uh, 39 lashes each time with a cat of nine tails, just whipped. And in fact, you can't whip somebody 40 times because by the 40th time, the person would die. But they would whip him 39 times. And they did that five times in different, in different occasions. But he said, you know what? I will even endure whipping if it means continuing proclaiming Christ for the cause of the elect. And, and so the elect here is the Greek word, say it with me, eklektos, eklektos. Eklektos, in fact, the word ek in Greek, and this is really important when you learn Greek prepositions, it means out. In fact, where you get the word exit, it's like ek, out. And, but EK, the ones that are called out, the ones that are called out of worldliness to godliness, the called out ones, the elect. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the elect. Amen? All right. That's you guys. I mean, that's us. We're, man, we're, we're the called out ones. And not like in high school. I, mean, I call you out. You remember people would call you somebody. But this is a different kind of calling out. God is saying, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to call you out of all of this ugliness in this world, and I'm going to take you to be with me in my kingdom in heaven. But you know where this election starts? It starts right here today, right in your life, that God is calling you to become a follower of Jesus. So the elect are really followers of Jesus. That, this might not be in your notes right there, but write that down. Who are the elect? The elect are followers of Jesus Christ. And you can tell who is really the elect by those who are really following. Now, there are people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and, and, but do they really follow Christ and give evidence of that? And that's what the traits are. The traits of a real Christian, a real follower of Christ, are these particular traits. And so the elect are those called by God to salvation. They're called by God to salvation. And see, salvation is given to those who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what God is talking about. And so here, the, this calling occurs before the foundation of the world. Did you know that? 
that before there was even a world, before there was even any stars in heaven, before there was dinosaurs, before there were any... Can you think back of anything before then? Okay. Anything before there was a planet Earth, God said, I know you and I love you so much. In fact, I'm calling you to be my child. And that's why in Ephesians 1.4, read it with me, He chose us in Him. Now, who's in Him? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. God chose you because Jesus was going to the cross to die for your sins. Because Jesus died for your sins, God says, I'm choosing you because the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all your sins. And, and you are made so holy and righteous because of the blood of Jesus washes you clean and cleanses you of all your sins. Now you can come into my heaven because God's heaven is so pure and so holy that nobody can get into heaven except if you're washed pure by the blood of Christ. And so that's why he says here that he chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see, here on earth we're full of Lots of blame. We, we kind of stumble around and we're not really living this perfect life. But you know what? In fact, even the devil accuses us. And the devil accuses you and he says, you know what, Louis? You're not really as good as you think you are, are you? And I said, well, I don't really talk to the devil. You know, that's one of those things where I, I say, you know, what? I'm going to talk to God only, but I know I sense the accusation of Satan because I do feel you know what, I'm really feeling like I'm not adequate for God. But you know what Jesus does? He stands before the Father in heaven, and he says, Father, Louis Juarez accepted me as his Lord and Savior. He is cleansed, and he is holy, and he is pure, because he accepted me as my Lord and Savior, and my blood has washed Louis Juarez clean, and he stands before me now, pure and holy and without blame. And that's what you need to claim every single day, that you stand before God holy and pure and blameless, even though the devil is pointing the finger at you every single day. You know, when you point your finger at somebody, you got, what, three fingers pointing back? So the, the devil's got a lot of fingers pointing back at him, that he is going to suffer. In fact, in the last day, he's going to have his torment. So don't worry about Satan. God has him already settled. But the important thing is remember where you stand with Christ, that he chose you. You are the elect before God, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So, and this calling is not according to, this calling is according to God's will, not man's. This is really important. Election is not because I will it. Election is based because God wills it that God calls me. And that's why it says here in, in Romans, it says, for whom, read it with me, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And the firstborn among many brethren is that Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead with a glorified, resurrected body. Glorified, resurrected body. And that we are going to follow in that pattern too. Joel, who passed away, will rise with him in a resurrected, glorified body when Jesus returns. Right now, he is walking the streets of gold in that 
in a body, but you know what? It's going to be even more glorified and resurrected because when Jesus returns, to take us with him. And that's why he says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, there's a lot of theology right there. In fact, we're going to save that for another day. But the important thing is that, remember, I am blameless in Jesus. Can you say that? I am blameless in Jesus. And that's what the calling is all about. So, and then the other thing here is that God's calling is based on his sovereignty. That's Romans 9. For the children not yet being born. And this is what it's talking about of Jacob and Esau. A little history on Jacob and Esau. Two boys were born to which father? I, Jake, Isaac. Born to Isaac. So you've got to remind me. I'm trying to remember the fathers here. Born to Isaac, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first, a real hairy baby. How many of you had a real hairy baby just come out and they were just, just really hairy? Esau was really hairy. In fact, his hair was red. It was just a, a real, just hairy red baby, just a, a real furry little red baby. And, and uh, Jacob was a, kind of a, just a delicate guy, and, but hair, uh, Esau would, became a hunter. And Esau was, was a, a real hunting guy, but uh, Jacob was the guy that hung around his mom, and he would be cooking and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, just it was just you know he he watched. I don't know if he watched the Cooking Network, but the thing is, is that he became a guy that was just like he could make a real good soup, a real good red dish of soup. But you know what God says? Before the babies were even born, that God already had a plan for these babies, that God had already had an election for these babies, and God had a choice for these babies. That's why it's for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. And it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Even though in Jewish tradition, the older boy gets the inheritance and he is the one who's going to receive the blessings of the father. But in this case, it was the opposite. And what God says here in that election, that is so important to know that everything is based on what God does, not what we do. Our responsibility is to invite Jesus Christ, is invite Jesus into your life. But you know what? God is the one that calls you to invite Christ. God is the one who says, I love you so much. I'm going to open your eyes to say to you, for you to recognize you need God. Did you know that in your life, every so often, I mean, when, you, when that person comes to Christ, it's like in that epiphany where it says, you know what? I need God in my life. Have you ever done that? You said, I'm going the wrong direction. I need to get right with God. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I need to ask God to, to cleanse me because I know that I'm heading down a cliff right now and I'm going to be heading for destruction. That is God touching you and, and telling you, Louie, you got to change. you got to give your life to Christ. And that's what I did when I was 10 years old. Right now, God is speaking to you, and maybe you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're feeling that tug in your life. Did you know that's God calling you? That's God saying, I love you so much. 
I want you to accept my son Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that's what election is. Election is really, it's up to God to touch you and to speak to you and, and to say that you need Jesus. So the important thing right here as we continue on in these passages that, and reading on here in John 1.12, read it with me. But as many as received him, who's him again? Jesus. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. In verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, election always starts with God. And we think, well, God, is that really fair? You mean God goes around, he says, I'm going to pick this guy, I'm going to pick Jacob, but I'm not going to pick Esau, and I'm going to pick this guy here in, in, in America, but I'm not going to pick the guy in Africa. Did you know that God's justice is so much greater than anything we can conceive of? We think we have it figured out. It says, well, you know, if I was God, I would do this, and I would pick all these good people over here and all these bad people, I would send them to that other place. And, and, but you know what God says? My justice is greater than anything you can conjure up or think of. My justice is based on my perfection. My justice is based on my righteousness. And my choice in life is based on, and my choice for my election is based on my knowledge of being, knowing everything. You see, we don't know. We don't, we're not, God is the only one that is omniscient. You aren't. And that's why here in the second passage, in the, the second point, the key steps towards Christian maturity is that a follower of Jesus, what? Makes salvation priority for others. Is that if you're a follower of Christ, you're concerned about the unsaved. If you are a follower of Christ, you are thinking about how can that person come to Jesus? What can I do to get that person to, to know Christ? And, and I'll talk to them today after work, and I'll tell them about what God did, did in my life, how he took me out of alcoholism, or he took me out of this particular lifestyle, and, and he brought me to, to himself. And I'm going to share Christ with this person, so that person can be a part of the family of God. So that's why it says, in, continuing in 2 Timothy, read this with me. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, for eternal glory. And verse 9 in Romans says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul is saying here that I would even go to hell if the Jews would come to Christ. My countrymen, my, my fellow brothers, I love them so much that I would even be accursed, even go to the pits of hell so that the Jewish nation would come to Christ. That's how much Paul was so concerned about salvation that he was willing to endure hardship and, and said, I'll, I'll even go to hell so that others can go to Christ. You know what? We're, we're so hindered in our lives as Christians. We think, well, I don't know if I have time to share Christ. or I don't, that's, Maybe they might laugh at me, or maybe they might you know, make fun, or maybe they just, it's not really, you know, it's, it, it, I don't want to do it right now. But God is saying, I want you to endure all things and make salvation priority as a believer, as a follower of Christ. What are you doing in your life to bring others to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. 
The traits of a Christian, a traits of a follower of Jesus, are somebody that says salvation is priority. We need to bring San Diego to Jesus Christ. We need to bring America to Jesus. What am I doing as an American citizen, as a Christian, to help bring others to know the Savior? And that's what the Bible is talking about here. And so the important thing is the number third key right here, a follower of Jesus sacrifices his own life for Christ. Very important key because this is what Paul did. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 14. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. In Galatians 2, 20 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In the book of Acts, Stephen was being accused of saying, by the Jews and those who were around. says, you're teaching something different. You're teaching about Christ. And we don't follow Christ around here. Stephen said, Jesus is the way. And they took stones and they stoned Stephen because he was willing to say, I'm willing to make my life a sacrifice for Christ. You know, stoning at that time was a hideous torture. They would take a person and on the edge of a cliff and they would push him over the cliff. And then they would take all the rocks, and as that person is down in that pit, they would stone him to death. But Stephen said, I am willing to be, go to the death in order that the name of Christ is proclaimed. In your life right now, what is it you think that, well, it's not convenient, or I don't know if I can sacrifice my life for Christ because I got so much priority, I got to make some money over here, or I have to do this kind of work, or I have to uh, go to this city. And I, but God is saying, wait a minute, are you making salvation priority, and are you making a sacrifice to make that happen? The apostle, or the, this, uh, Stephen did. Stephen said, I'm going to make Jesus number one. If you die with him, you will live with him. And then Romans 12:1 says, read this with me, an important passage. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Present your body as a living sacrifice. That's that's quite a challenge. That is quite a call. But you know what? This is what God is saying is that a true follower, those who are the elect, are those who are saying, I'm going to follow Christ even if it costs my life. Even if I have to sacrifice my life for God, I'm going to live for him because this is the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters in the world. You can make a billion dollars. You could be like a Donald Trump. I don't know who the richest man, uh, Buffett, uh, or... See, we know who the rich guys are, right? <laughs> but the important thing is, is God says, I want you, just like that man that followed Jesus, or that rich young ruler that came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I have kept all your commandments since I was a kid. I have obeyed you. And this guy was so, he was wealthier than, who was the richest guy? Carlos who? Uh, okay, a Mexican guy. Yeah, okay. I thought it was... Okay, different guy, okay. But you take the richest guy, it would be like saying, I want you to give all your money away to the poor, 
and I want you to come and follow me. I want you to sacrifice all that money that you consider important, and I want you to follow me. You know that rich young guy that said he kept all of God's commandments? He's, he says, well, I, I can't do that. that. This is too much. Jesus, you're asking too much. I can't sacrifice all the money that I've ever made and, and, and give it to the poor. That, that, what kind of a... Uh, I, I just can't do that. And he left, and he left Jesus, and he didn't follow Jesus because said that, that was too much of a sacrifice to give up. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it's going to mean sacrificing not only your finances, your time, your energies in life, whatever it is you consider to be valuable, God is saying, I want you to give it all away in order to follow me. Now you think, of course, we've got to feed our families. We have to do all of those things that are important because that's what God said. I want you to, to provide a roof for your children. I want you to provide food for your children. But God is saying that in your heart, what is it that is hindering you from sacrificing your life to give it all for Jesus? And God is calling you right now. God is saying, I want you to make a sacrifice. And that's why he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And the only way you can be holy is by having Jesus Christ in your heart. Jesus is the one that makes you holy. The incredible thing about this last step, key steps, is that a follower of Jesus denies himself and not the Lord. We hate to deny ourselves, especially when we're hungry, right? And when you're hungry, you say, ah. my wife and I, we usually split a meal when we go to a restaurant. But sometimes she sees her fork in her side of the plate, and my, my fork on her side of the plate. And uh, it's like, Louie, wait, wait a minute, if we're splitting the meal here, we got to, um, okay, anyway. The, um, we went to Chipotle, and I don't know why, but my fork kind of wanders past my halfway point, and it goes to the, the third, three, four, three quarter point. And, and I don't realize that, because you know why? Louis doesn't like to deny anything from himself. I, Louis Juarez likes to, to take, go for the gusto, right? I want to go for all of it. I want to I take, but anyway, we share the plate because we're in love, and we want to just, just share things. But the thing is, is that what God is saying is that a follower of Jesus denies himself, but not the Lord. And that's why this passage here in verses 11 through 14, it says, read it with me, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now you might be saying, wait a minute, when is the time that Jesus ever denied me? Did you know that he will never deny you if you are in Christ? But if you deny Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he cannot present you to his Father in heaven. He cannot say, Father, allow this man or this woman to come into my kingdom if you deny him. And there were people, Jews, who were denying Christ and they weren't following Christ. The prodigal son was somebody that said, here he was, this young man that goes to his father, Father, give me my inheritance and I just want to go and live for myself. His father took his inheritance and he gave it to the son. And the son went out to a different land and he lived just wild living. You know, you think you have a million dollars, and you can spend a million dollars pretty fast nowadays. A million dollars won't go too far. But this young man took his money, 
and he just spent it loosely and lavishly and just wasted it all. It didn't take very long before he didn't have any money in his pocket. In fact, he needed a job, and he got a job, and his job was feeding pigs. And so he was feeding the pigs, and he was so hungry that when he looked at the pig food, the pig food looked good to him. And it was just slop. It was pig slop. And, and he was so hungry that he said, man, that, that really looks good. But then something happened. God touched him. He came to his senses, and he said, you know what? I'm going to go to my father now. I'm going to ask my father to make me a servant in his house. Because even the poorest servant in my father's house lives like a king. They get three square meals a day. They have a roof over their head. They have a love in their, in their home. But I have nothing. So he got up from where he was, and he started going home. And as he was approaching his house, his father saw him from a distance. And his father got up and he started running towards his son and, and, and he, they embraced his son and he put his arms around his neck and says, son, you're alive and you're well and, and welcome home that even though you denied us and, and you, you went off to a foreign country, you know what? You're my son and I love you. And the father took the fatted calf, killed the fatted calf, and he told the servants to bring my son a new robe and bring him a gold ring and put it on his finger and, and, and put some new sandals on his feet because he was once, he was dead, but now he is alive. You see, no matter what you've done in your life, how far you've gone away from God, he says, you're my child. I will never deny you. But if you have never become a child of God and accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, Jesus cannot present you to the Father. He cannot present you to enter in the kingdom of God. You need to do that today. You need to say, Jesus, I believe in you. And then it continues on. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. You see, Peter, in classic passage, that Peter told Jesus, Jesus, I will follow you to the death. I will die for you. And Peter, Jesus says to Peter, you will do that, Peter? You will die for me? Let me tell you something. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter did that. When Jesus was arrested, they took Jesus as a prisoner and brought him into the court to be interrogated Peter was nowhere around. In fact, he went outside. He was out in the area of the campfire, and there was a fire going out in the, in the courtyard. And a little girl comes up to him and says, Hey, you're, you were one of those disciples. I, I saw you hanging around Jesus. And Peter said, I never knew. He denied Jesus. I never knew. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. Another lady comes up to Jesus says, wait a minute, you're, you're one of those disciples. In fact, you're a Galilean. I could tell by your accent. Yeah, you're, you're a follower of Jesus. And Peter said, no, I don't know who you're talking about. I never met the man. I don't know, I don't know the guy. A third time, somebody approaches Jesus or Peter and says, wait a minute, you are a follower of Jesus. I know for sure you are. I have seen you. You know what Peter did? He started swearing and cursing. 
denying that he ever knew Jesus. I don't even know who the man is. The thing I love about Peter is that what happens is that when Jesus was crucified, he was buried and rose again on the third day. The women came to the tomb and they didn't see Jesus in the tomb. He had risen. But when he appeared to Mary, he said to her, go and tell Peter, the first person, tell Peter and the rest of the disciples that I have risen from the dead. This is an incredible thing because Peter denied Jesus, but yet Jesus says to Mary, go and tell Peter that I have risen from the dead. Why would he tell Peter, the one who denied him, the one who said, I don't know who Jesus is? But you know what? Scripture says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. These passages of Scripture are so powerful. And what God is saying that regardless of how many times you didn't talk about me with other people and you denied me and, and you acted like you were even an unbeliever, I'm going to remain faithful to you because you're my child and I'm going to stand by you and I love you so much. The powerful thing about God, and that's what we're learning here in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you're going to be persecuted for being a Christian. As a pastor of the church there in Ephesus, people are going to slander you and call you names, and you may even lose your life, Timothy. But Timothy, I want you to be a faithful follower of me. And you know who are the faithful followers? Those are the elect. You are the, the ones who are called by God, the ones who are called out of the world and to be a part of the kingdom of God. You are the elect. You are the faithful followers of Christ. And you know what? God says that even if you trip like Peter, I'm going to be faithful to you. Amen? I mean, that is so powerful. Because what God said, that, I don't know anybody else in the world that could do that except Jesus, who says, I'm going to stick by you, and I'm going to never let you go. The word for deny is the word arneomai. Arneomai. Say that with me. Arneomai. To deny, to not accept, to reject, to refuse something offered. What God is doing today, he's offering you eternal life. God does not want you to reject his son. God wants you to accept his son, to receive the free gift. And if you receive the free gift, it's because God has called you. God has called you to be one of the elect and if you are the elect, you're going to follow Christ. And you're going to sacrifice your life for Jesus. You're going to say, Jesus, I'm going to deny myself so that your kingdom will be glorified. I'm going to give up everything that I consider valuable to win others for Christ, just as the Apostle Paul did. He says, I would rather suffer death, even go to the pits of hell, in order for my family to know Jesus. The incredible thing about God is that his love never ends and his love is always going to be calling you. And we sense that call all the time. You sense that call. And I know that every single day you need to confess to God your sins. Scripture says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Powerful. That all you have to do is say, Jesus, 
forgive me. I have walked away from you, and now I want to get my life right with you, Jesus. This passage here in 2 Timothy is a call to a young man, a young pastor. The call is to us as a church, that us as a church need to make our priority salvation for San Diego, salvation for our neighbors, salvation for America and the rest of the world. America needs Jesus. We're going down a very bad path in our country, and our country is allowing a lot of things that we would have never considered years ago. But when our country follows the Word of God and our leaders point to the Word of God and to follow Christ, God will bless this nation and God will restore our people and heal our land. But we need to be the ones that are doing that. We're the ones, we're the Christians, we're the ones that are, have the, the Word of God. And that's why God is calling us to spread the Word. Are you ready to do that? Amen. God is calling us. Let's bow our heads and with our heads bowed and eyes closed, you need to make a decision today, and your decision is, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I want to be one of those elect, and I know that I can only be part of the elect if Jesus is in my heart. And you can pray this prayer with me, and the worship team is going to be singing. But if you need to get right with God, just pray this prayer silently right where you're seated. Lord Jesus, I need a change in my life. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, purify me. I want to be blameless before you, and I know that I can by the blood of Christ. And I believe, Jesus, that you did die on the cross for my sins, that you were buried, and that you rose again on the third day. And you're coming back. And so, Lord, right now, I commit my life to you to be a follower. Lord, you know that I am weak, but you are strong. You know where I stumble, but yet you have the ability to hold me up. You know my areas where I'm so faithless, but I'm asking you, Lord, to strengthen me in that area, to make me a a strong follower of Christ. And I want to proclaim this good news. There are many people around me that need Jesus because you are coming quickly. You're coming soon. And I want them to be ready too. I'm going to invite people to come to church on Easter. I'm going to invite people to come to a Bible study. I'm going to invite, just let people know what you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray as a Christian, as a believer, that you would help me right now in my weakness to be a part of what this church is doing, to bring others to Christ, to become a part of a, a small group of believers who are reading the Word of God together, to be praying more, to be committed to the task of making your church a, a place where people can come and, and know that there's love and, and, and they can become a part of your family. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And I just want to now let the world know, use me for your glory. And all God's people said,